welcome everyone. Um, I wanted to just uh, introduce myself. I'm Jay O'Donnell. I'm the Assistant Economic Development Director for the City of Mesa, and we're happy that you could join us today. This is a, a workshop basically that we're partnering with Cahoots on, and I wanted to say thank you to Cahoots for handling all of the logistics on this webinar today. Um, Chelsea Smith is doing a great job for us, so thank you so much. And um, for those of you who may not know, Cahoots is the largest co-working community in Arizona, and they have a team, a wonderful team of people that help entrepreneurs scale by providing collaborative workspace, event space, and also a community, which is so important in this day and age. And then the, the City of Mesa Office of Economic Development works with all sizes of businesses, and we have a new emphasis now on small businesses, but we really um, have enhanced our focus, focus on helping businesses start, grow, and prosper in the city of Mesa. So we're happy to have you here today. And then additionally, we have a great panel of professionals to provide some, some food for thought on making 2021 the, your best tax year ever. Uh, joining me today is Nicole Sutliff. She is a CPA. And since 2013, she's been a valuable member of the Lohman Company. She currently serves as a tax manager where she performs tax work for C and S corporations, including income tax returns, quarterly estimates and planning, uh, deferred tax calculations, tax compliance, and more. Also joining me is Tiffany Bisconner, who is a CPA with over 20 years of experience in the fields of accounting and tax. Tiffany has worked with one of the top 10 certified public accounting and consulting firms in the nation and is currently a partner at Asina Consulting, focusing on providing specialty tax incentives, uh, tax incentive consulting services. And then finally, David McPheeters is an account executive at Business Group Resources based in Carlsbad, California. And he's been helping small businesses for over 20 years, providing POS systems, e-commerce payments, consulting services, and now funds in the form of tax credits. Their bios, as you all probably know, if you registered through the portal, are available online as well uh, on the registration link. So if you want more information, please feel free to get their contact information there. Additionally, their emails are already provided to you in the chat. So you may use their, their emails to communicate with them after the webinar as well. While we are talking today, please feel free to use the Q&A function at the bottom of your screen. You may pose any of your questions at any time and we'll do our best to get to all of them. If the panelists are free to answer the question in the Q&A, um, they're encouraged to do so, but some may require a little bit more of a nuanced response. So um, we can save a couple of them for the Q&A portion at the end of the session too. Keep in mind, we are recording the program today, so it will be available on the Mesa Hub platform which you can find at mesa.myhub.com. So if you would like to review this session again in the future, you're welcome to. And please tell your friends and colleagues about this session because um, I think you're going to learn a lot today and we wanna make sure we share this information um, with our uh, colleagues. 
The program that we've put together today covers a brief overview of what to plan for 2021 and then an outlook for 2022. So you're, you can kind of prepare how to think about your taxes for the future years um, and what you need to know going into the new year. And then we'll dive a little bit deeper into state tax incentives and wrap it up with federal tax credits and rebates. So um, want to make sure to leave some time at the end to, uh, to get your questions as well. So now let me turn it over to Nicole Sutliff to provide some key highlights for you and your business. Nicole. Good morning, everyone. My name is Nicole Sutliff, and I'm a tax manager at Loman Company. And I've been with Loman Company for almost nine years now. I primarily work with owners of small to medium-sized businesses right here in Arizona. And I see now that my slides are up on the screen. Um, so we'll follow along here. So a good approach to year end planning for businesses is to set up a meeting with your tax professional. Uh, this is a good idea just to overview if there are any opportunities to accelerate deductions. And so my first bullet point is about business meals. And so there was a new change for 2021 is that business meals are now 100% deductible if they're purchased from a restaurant. This 100% deduction is available for qualifying business, or excuse me, qualifying expenses incurred in 2021 and 2022. Previously, business meals were limited to 50% deductibility, and that was effective in 2018 with the passing of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. So this is a nice benefit for businesses purchasing meals from a restaurant while also helping the restaurant earn revenue. Now is a good time to overview your company's books and records to determine if eligible costs are recorded appropriately. Uh, this will help your tax professional when he or she is preparing your company's 2021 tax returns. My next item to consider is retirement plans. And so have you revisited your company's retirement plan recently? There may be various retirement savings options that ensure you are taking advantage of tax deductions for contributions to your company's retirement plan, as well as providing opportunities for owners and your employees to save for retirement. For example, if your company has an established defined benefit plan, a contribution to the plan made on behalf of tax year 2021, so this year, can be paid in 2022, which could help free up cash flow for other year-end expenses. So please work with your retirement plan administrator and your tax professional to see what options are available for your company's retirement plan. The next item is year-end bonuses for employees. Obviously, employees love these. Um, the payment of year-end bonuses for employees can be timed for maximum tax savings by your company. There are opportunities to time payment and deduction of these bonuses for both cash and accrual basis taxpayers. Depreciation. So does your business need any new vehicles, computers, equipment, or off-the-shelf software? These generally are all assets if purchased and placed in service by the last day of 2021, so there's a few days left, uh, these would be eligible 
for accelerated depreciation by either electing Section 179 expense or 100% bonus depreciation. And these are all claimed on your company's tax return. Please discuss both of these options with your tax professional as there are certain limitations and restrictions to each option. A couple of items to talk about with accelerated depreciation is the expensing limit for section 179 expense for tax year 2021 is $1,050,000 in fixed asset purchases. So qualifying assets include depreciable property other than buildings, computer software, certain interior improvements to buildings and roofs, HVAC systems, and fire protection, alarm, and security systems. So all of these assets qualify for Section 179 expense. So there were two options, right? The other option is 100% bonus depreciation. This is a tax deduction, allowing a company to deduct the entire cost of the asset in the year placed in service. So most tangible property qualifies such as vehicles, computers, equipment, software, et cetera. And I do have a quick note on vehicles, as I did mention, both qualify for 100% bonus or Section 179 expense. Please keep in mind that not all vehicles qualify for 100% bonus depreciation. The amount of depreciation expense available is dependent on certain specifications of the vehicle, such as the vehicle's gross vehicle weight rating, and if it's a truck, the length of the truck bed. So please speak with your tax professional regarding vehicle specifications to learn more. And the last item I have on my slide is charitable contributions. So. Charitable contributions are a really great way to decrease taxable income while providing a benefit to the community. So please consult with your tax professional to inquire if any charitable contributions made by your business might also qualify for Arizona charitable contribution tax credits. My next slide here. Can I do it? Oh, there we go. Okay. So I have two other items to consider for tax year 2021 as it comes to a close. So in addition to evaluating opportunities to increase deductions, there are a couple of other items to consider. The first is potential state tax filing requirements, right? So the pandemic has changed how people work more businesses are employing people who work remotely or at home. These working arrangements could have potential state tax implications, such as needing to complete registrations for state tax identification numbers and accounts and related payment obligations. The other item is fringe benefit reporting for Forms W-2. So there are some commonly overlooked fringe benefits that are required to be included in your, your employee's Forms W-2. 
Many payroll providers request businesses provide this information early in December, right? And we're already at December 7th. So we highly recommend consulting with your payroll provider regarding any reporting requirements. So some examples of fringe benefits required to be included on Forms W-2 include personal use of company-owned vehicles and value of group term life insurance in excess of $50,000. And a special note for any businesses that file as an S-corporation, there are additional fringe benefit requirements for any more than 2% shareholders of these S-corporations. The one item we see that is overlooked a lot is including the cost of health insurance premiums paid on behalf of the shareholder as compensation. And the next slide here. Oh, I'm sorry. There we go. Next slide is Outlook for 2022. So we have a couple of bills being worked by our government right now. The first is the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. This was signed into law on November 15th, 2021. Two notable items from this legislation include new information reporting requirements for digital asset transactions or transactions involving cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency world, as the definition of digital assets continues to expand, and the IRS is becoming more interested in tracking these transactions. So if your company participates in transactions involving any type of virtual currency, please discuss any reporting requirements with your tax professional. Also, some changes were made to the Employee Retention Credit, or ERC. So the ERC is a refundable payroll tax credit available to certain eligible employers. This credit has been available since early 2020 to support businesses impacted by the pandemic. This program expired effective September 30th, 2021. However, there are opportunities that continue to exist for businesses to retroactively claim the ERC for prior calendar quarters. And Loma Company, the company I work for, has assisted many local businesses in calculating its eligible ERC. And included in the chat box, and I think it's there already, is our flyer with additional information on the credit, along with Matt Hatfield's contact information. And Matt is the partner in charge of the program at our firm. Lastly is the Build Back Better Act. This is the next tax act being negotiated by our government. This act contains several individual and business tax changes, but the legislative content evolves as the days go by. So at this point, we can only speculate what to expect because there are so many unknowns. And when we finally get a resolution on this, we can certainly talk about this later. Um, 
But this concludes my section of the webinar. Included in the chat box is my contact information if you have any additional questions or if you'd like to contact me to discuss anything further. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Nicole. And before you, um, before you mute yourself, I just wondered, is there anything in terms of helping businesses stay organized that you would recommend? So I, I know sometimes I, you know, we get to the end of the year and there's a pile of receipts or, you know, invoices and um, expenses. And is there, is there something that you would recommend to businesses to stay organized throughout the year? Is it best to kind of um, organize quarterly or how, how do accountants like to work with their clients to help them stay on track? Quarterly planning meetings, for sure. I highly recommend that. That's really helpful for us to not only do planning, but recommend certain deductions, certain programs, et cetera, tax credits. I feel like quarterly planning meetings are an excellent way to really stay on top of accounting and books and records and such. Okay. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. Now we're going to move into state tax programs and incentives with Tiffany. And if you um, are maybe wondering if these would apply to you, you might be surprised, especially as a small business, um, including the, the federal tax credits that David's going to talk about. But I think um, one of the things that I was really impressed with Tiffany's um, presentation is that there are some nuggets in here that are um, really nice to uncover for, for small businesses in particular. So Tiffany, go ahead. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jay. And um, I just definitely want to start off by saying thanks to Jay and the city of Mesa and Chelsea and the whole Cohoots team. Um, it really does take a village to raise a small business. And a big part of that is education and just getting resources out to, to you guys to make sure that um, as business owners or as consultants, um, CPAs, that we're all working together to kind of make our community stronger. Um, so it is very challenging being in Arizona and having to choose what I'm going to speak about because there is a lot of programs and there's a, little, a lot of opportunities at the state level that really compound some of the federal level benefits that, that you can get as a business owner. And with all of the changes over the past couple of years, it's just a, a perpetual cycle of new things popping up, new clarifications on how to apply them. Um, so I think a lot of the, the, the challenges and the opportunities that we all have is just kind of weeding through what exists right now and how you can use it to make your business stronger. Um, so even though, as Jay said, I am a CPA, I do work nationally, I specialize in research and development tax credits, but also consult with business owners, leadership teams, CPAs, tax preparers, to help to create a team to make sure that we're identifying and utilizing a lot of these programs to their optimal levels. Um, so even though I do work in every state, Arizona to me, it has a sweet spot because of the humans here that really try to drive some of these programs. Um, so from the, from the level of benefits that come back to you as small businesses, startup businesses, growing businesses at every level of a trajectory of your growth, there's, there really is something there to be looked deeper into to make sure that you're using these programs. So um, what I'm going to start off with is just from a state level perspective, uh, David will get a little bit more into the federal classifications of the R&D credit and what applies and how a lot of businesses often miss the opportunities because they don't realize that they would actually qualify. 
I'm going to take some of this and just dive in a little bit deeper on the state level. Um, but what I wanted to set the foundation for initially is just the difference between what a tax deduction is and what a tax credit is. Because a lot of times, uh, you know, uh, most business owners or a lot of business owners I deal with, you start talking about tax and they'll typically fall asleep or they're just like, it's just too much because they're dealing with everything else and the operational side of their business. So at a very basic level, when we talk about deductions, you're talking about finding ways to reduce your taxable income so that you can reduce the taxes that you need to pay on that. When we talk about tax credits, it's actually a bottom line dollar for dollar reduction of taxes that are paid. Um, so if you have 10 grand as a deduction, that's gonna reduce your income and then that bottom line income hit, gets hit with your tax rate that you pay taxes on. Uh, if we're talking about credits and you have a 10 grand credit, that's actually 10 grand less of taxes that you have to pay. Um, so just a mild differentiation there as we kind of roll through this so that you can identify the weight of the benefit when we talk about deductions and credits. Um, the other thing that I would like to identify is when we talk about tax credits, there's a difference between non-refundable and refundable. Um, so when we talk about non-refundable credits, typically, especially in the R&D world, we're talking about credits that can be used against your tax liability. And then those, those credits that aren't used, uh, depending on if we're talking about state or federal level, um, but you have options of carrying credits forward to be used against future tax liability. And on the federal side, we also have the option of going back a year as well. Um, but the non-refundable is gonna stay locked up until you use it against actual tax liability. Now, when we talk about refundable, Basically, what that means is like it sounds. So when you get a refund check at the end of the year, um, it's actually a check coming back to you. So from the Arizona benefit, there is actually two separate programs. So there's the regular non-refundable state level benefit that uh, mildly mirrors the federal program with some exceptions, um, but you'll be able to uh, basically compound federal benefit with your state level benefit as well. Um, so they have the non-refundable version, which is use it against your tax, carry it forward, or they have the, the refundable credit, which I'm going to dive into now, which is a really great opportunity for businesses that are either low in their, their tax liability or have no tax liability. This is also something that I help to position businesses that are startups, um, potentially even before they have any revenue. So the idea is you're able to generate a tax credit you're able to use that tax credit before you even have to pay taxes because you can get that back as a refund. Um, so that the ACA actually administers a program every year um, where they put $5 million into a pool, which allow businesses to grab that Arizona level R&D credit as a refundable credit. It's a super competitive program. So uh, at this point in the year, it's something that I wanna make sure that people are typically positioned to be able to go after the, the funds. Um, each taxpayer, the cap is a hundred grand. Um, so basically what ends up happening is you're able to generate a state level R&D credit. You can then uh, decide whether or not you're gonna go the regular non-refundable route or the refundable. If you go the refundable route, it's a separate program administered by the ACA. The program itself opens the first business day of the year. Um, so if anybody has a question in their mind on what that means as far as closing out a year, Basically, this year you have three years, uh, three days after the close of business in 2021 
to make sure that you can go and apply for these funds. So this is obviously, uh, to Nicole's point, a lot of the pre-planning, a lot of proactive conversations. There's some opportunities that will be lost if you don't go down the path of proactive planning, um, just because of time frame, positioning, and making sure that you have the documentation necessary. Um, so at a basic level, it's 100 grand cap per taxpayer. January 3rd or the first business day of every year is typically when the ACA portal opens for businesses to go in and apply for some of these funds. Uh, as you go down uh, the path to apply, it is a very competitive program. Um, so typically we're talking about a window of maybe a half an hour. Um, and I think this year was 27 minutes basically to be able to go after that $5 million pool. But the benefit is you're getting back cash and you're able to infuse your business with, with cash as you need it. And from this program, I just like to kind of identify when we look at a year-end tax liability, this is a great program for a business that has a, a very small or no Arizona level tax liability for the current year. Um, it's a current year program and hopefully this will continue into perpetuity. Um, Arizona, like I said, and the ACA have been really uh, dedicated to helping support growth in businesses here in the state. So this is one of those programs. Uh, the non-refundable program basically mirrors the same process. The only difference is if you have a high Arizona tax liability um, or a middle tax liability, or you're anticipating a high tax liability in the next year, this is an opportunity to just use a non-refundable credit to offset that tax and then carry it forward potentially into the next year or year after that as well. Um, and then another thing I wanted to identify within uh, the ACA programs that kind of can also couple with the AZ refundable program is the university R&D program. So part of the part of this is just an additional credit if you qualify for R&D credits here in the state and you're utilizing qualified universities, you're able to get a little extra uh, benefit based on the payments that you, you pay towards those qualified universities. Um, so just again, a little nugget, there's so much information and so many details in each of these things to dive into. I just wanna make sure that from an overall perspective, you have a general idea of what's available and then have a continued conversation to kind of dive in further. And then um, just to give a resource here too, uh, again, it's impossible to list everything out and impossible within this time frame to talk about everything. Um, but these are some of the options that you'll see. And I do recommend going down the rabbit hole a little bit. There's a website here for the AC, uh, AZ Commerce, which lists out some of their programs that are available to business owners here in the state. Um, so it's kind of a fun activity to just go down and say, hey, I might qualify for that. Or there's something in there that looks, looks like is what I'm doing and have a, a further conversation to figure out if there really is the, the qualifying there and what kind of benefit it'll get you. Um, so some of the qualified jobs, the work opportunity credits, um, some angel investment, depending on the industry that you're in. There really is a lot of opportunities here also for manufacturing if you're in that arena in tech, and then just small businesses in general uh, doing the best that they can to keep growing. Okay, another item that I wanted to bring up, uh, just because I noticed that this was something that uh, is, is able to add some businesses, uh, micro and small businesses, some benefit that's here locally as well. Um, so the Maricopa Small Business Stability Grants is something that is a program that's actually open until March 31st, but it's also a, a rolling distribution. So it might close out or the funds might get exhausted before that date. 
Um, so just to bring this on your radar, the purpose of this grant, again, is to uh, give cash, give funds to businesses that suffered a decline in revenues or operating cost deficiencies. Um, so the, the whole idea really is to be able to kind of get some of that back to continue to kind of move through hurdles. Um, it is a 25 grand cap per business. Um, so that is something that is based on your qualification standards and um, your application receipt of, and qualification of receipt. Um, so from that perspective, there's a little bit more information also. Uh, this is something that between the local first is, uh, is explained a little bit better on their website as well. Um, but I would definitely recommend just kind of eyeballing it, seeing if there is some of those uh, declines within those periods for you if you're here in Maricopa County and to see if that you can get some of these funds as well into your business. Okay, and then Nicole did bring this up, the ERTC, and David might touch on it as well. Um, but what I wanna do is just kind of double down on the importance of looking into these programs just to ensure if you are qualified or not, in order to not miss opportunities for funding and, and cash flow. Um, there's a great, uh, Nicole put a great resource within the chat box. Um, so kind of eyeball that. But the one thing that I did want to mention is a lot of businesses missed the opportunity to kind of evaluate this because the qualification standards are based off of a quarter by quarter comparison. Typically, uh, there's also the ability to qualify if you did have a government shutdown, um, in order to shut down your business. So there's two sections in order to qualify at a basic level, but there's also additional intricacies on the passing bills over the past year uh, that have opened up the opportunity for this to be a tremendous benefit. And to kind of just highlight what it means for you as a business in 2020, really the, the maximum credit or benefit amount is going to be five grand per employee for the whole year. But for 2021, you're actually looking at seven grand per employee for each quarter that you qualify. Um, so if you do quick math on that, it is really a, an amazing benefit for business owners. And this is also a refundable credit. So if you remember back to the difference between non-refundable and refundable, refundable credit means check, refundable, money, uh, refundable credit means a cash back type of situation. So even if the taxes that you had paid in that particular quarter are less than the credit amount, you're going to get that whole credit amount back. Um, so definitely worth a conversation um, and, and make sure to dive into that so you don't miss that opportunity for your business as well. Okay, and then uh, we did all put our contact information in there. And I, I do wanna say too, I have, um, from the R&D perspective, I have a full course in the Hub Network as well. So if that is something that you're interested in diving even more into, um, David will touch on more uh, of that as well today. But I definitely recommend you reaching out to the folks in your network that are your trusted advisors, your tax preparers, to make sure that you take the time to not miss any of these opportunities so that you can make sure to keep thriving in your business. Thank you so much, Tiffany. I appreciate all of the information that you shared. Um, just to go back for one minute on the employee uh, retention tax credit program, do you, as far as qualification, how, how hard is it for a business, a small business in particular, to qualify for that? What are the steps or the hoops that they have to jump through? Yeah, so um, as Nicole mentioned, there's been a lot of changes. Um, so when it initially came out with the CARES Act, a lot of businesses and a lot of advisors, we didn't look into this because most businesses were trying to get the PPP. And when you got the PPP, you couldn't do the employee retention tax credits. 
Um, with the, the, the future or kind of more recent changes, um, you can do both, even though there is an add back and there is a, a, a spread that needs to happen between the funds that come through. But what I'm noticing with the clients that I'm working with is a lot of times what will end up happening is there'll be a single qualifying quarter, meaning that there's a percentage of reduction in gross receipts between a, the 19 as a comparative period, say to 20 or 19 to 21. And you get one single quarter and the way that the law was rewritten is it's actually almost automatically guarantees you're going to get the following quarter. Um, so when you pass by a gross receipts test in that reduction, uh, you're actually able to get a little bit more than just that single quarter. And like I mentioned, for 2021, the benefit is, is pretty large. Um, so even a business that has 10 employees, uh, seven grand per quarter, if you max out that amount, that's, that's a really decent benefit for, for businesses. Um, so to your point, Jay, it really is, uh, there's the two main tests. There's also some other things that came out recently that offer additional benefits for supply chain issues and things like that. Um, but from the reduced gross receipts test, we're looking quarter by quarter from 19 to 20, a 50% or more reduction. And then from 19 to 21, a 20% or more reduction in a quarter. So we're not looking just at the annual, we're actually diving into the gross receipts comparatively um, with 19 as the base year. Okay, thank you. That was, that was very helpful. And even if a business received PPP, they may be able to take advantage of the employee retention tax credit with the new changes. Yeah, so this year that was the big game changer. Um, and, and even though there is a, a reduction, like I said, in the PPP funds, the way that the guidance has been written is actually really favorable to taxpayers. Um, not to say that's unusual, but it, it, it was a little bit shocking on, on the way that they put some of this stuff together because they really do want businesses who are fighting to hold on to employees to be able to get some of these benefits to kind of um, ease the burden of the financial weight that happened during these uncertain times. And I know a lot of the local businesses that I work with here in Arizona, that was a really important uh, main core culture item was retaining employees, retaining the humans, keeping everybody whole. Um, so this is one of those things that really does help to incentivize that. Very good, thank you. Okay, moving on to the federal side. There are so many federal tax credits and rebate programs that are simply unknown or they might seem like they're not really available for small and medium-sized businesses. But um, I think you'll hear from David's case studies that he's going to present what businesses can qualify and how much money a business can actually get back. Um, and there are really some very basic, um, basic things that a business can do to qualify for these different programs. So with that, I'll turn it over to David. Uh, thank you, Jay. Uh, and great information, Tiffany and Nicole. Uh, uh, that's been a nice setup for what I'm going to talk about today. And uh, I too also wanted to thank uh, the Mesa, Arizona group and Jay putting this together. It's a great stage. And, uh, and all this information, I think, is really helpful for these small businesses. Uh, and so uh, I wanted to talk just first. Uh, I've been helping small businesses for years uh, with uh, e-commerce systems, POS systems, uh, uh, payments like credit card processing. And now I'm doing this here with uh, something called tax credits or R&D tax credits. Um, and then uh, our company, Business Group Resources, we're out of Irvine. We've been doing this uh, 15 years. 
and the payout per month that we uh, issue in, in tax credits is 4.4 million a month. And that's uh, 50 and 60 and $70,000 increments uh, to uh, small businesses. And so if you've never heard of this, which so many people have not, uh, uh, the CPAs barely know and understand this. And if you ask them, they will uh, sometimes give you a blank look, but uh, it's really something that you should take advantage of. The money has been uh, out there sitting and waiting for you to, to take. And just a lot of people don't uh, know about it really. And so I want to explain what uh, these tax credits are and who uh, would qualify for uh, these programs. And trying to get that to go to the next slide. Uh, oh. So uh, these tax credits, they have been around for a very long time. Back in the 80s, people realized that businesses, industries were moving overseas. Uh, those uh, not only did the jobs go overseas, the work went and the technology followed. And so they started uh, issuing these uh, funds and money uh, for small businesses in various categories that they wanted to keep and retain. Um, most of that, or it started with manufacturing, which so many of that has left, and now they're uh, trying to get it back, keep these companies here, uh, keep the jobs here, and this money, uh, these tax credits, uh, tax uh, incentives, uh, tax rebates are all designed to put money in the pockets of these uh, small businesses. Um, so, um, you know, the why are these incentives offered? So, it's really about innovation. And, uh, and, and the other thing I want to explain is this term called R&D. People tend to think about uh, when they hear the word R&D, they think of uh, test tubes and lab rats, and that's really not the case. Uh, any research that a small business does in trying to do their job, try to be a better uh, business, uh, get more competitive, alter what they do to stand out for their competition, those little innovative moves that they do qualify for these funds. So the R&D term uh, has a, a much broader understanding than, than what you think. Uh, and again, the whole idea of these is to uh, reward innovation, reward certain technologies, reward certain industries, and try to keep those industries here, keep the technology here in the U.S. Um, and so jobs are a lot uh, to do with it. Uh, the payroll that you might have as a small business is also a big part of what they're trying to reward and offset and, and give you guys money. So the other thing I wanted to mention, uh, you know, when you go around to a small business, like a small manufacturer, most of them do not know about these programs. Uh, it, it, very little of the money is taken. And the reason for that is part of it is it is very arduous to get the money. If you are a small manufacturer in Mesa, Arizona, and you went out and tried to apply for these programs, you would find it extremely difficult only because the paperwork, uh, the description of the plans, the uh, whole administrative process to get that money, to go through the process is very arduous. And so the money does not get taken. And it's really why we exist and some of these other tax credit services exist is because it is difficult to get. And so, um, you know, we have a team of CPAs that uh, all they do is that they don't do taxes at all. They don't give tax advice, but they focus on these programs. And so, uh, but a lot of it 
does not get taken, even though it is there for the taking and, and meant for these small businesses. So. Probably uh, the other story I wanted to say, and everyone seems to relate to this story, is um, back uh, in about, I think it was the second or first year of Donald Trump's presidency, um, it came out that the air conditioning company uh, carrier was moving their entire facility to Mexico. Uh, they were going to uh, terminate about a thousand jobs in that city uh, and relocate uh, down to Mexico. Uh, Donald Trump came in and tried to save that uh, company, keep them intact. And uh, he ended up uh, providing them $7 million of, of tax credit money or $7 million in, in, uh, in tax incentives and rebates. And that money is coming from the very same source uh, that, that we tap into to provide to these small businesses. So, uh, you know, that story we can relate to, but uh, they ended up staying here. The jobs uh, got put in, in place and that $7 million ended up kind of keeping those jobs in that technology and that company here in the U.S. So, um, this list here, uh, you can look this over. Uh, this is a list of the people who qualify for tax credits and rebates. And it's a pretty wide range. Um, manufacturing at the top of the list is a really big one. Uh, all the things that they do in terms of what they, how they operate, how they're trying to get uh, money saving, how they're trying to make things green, uh, how they're trying to make things faster and stronger. Uh, manufacturing has a huge number of programs and money that go behind it. The other one, which is all over the country, is the construction industry. And not only when we're talking about a home builder, but even uh, uh, HVAC, uh, plumbing, um, electricians, uh, these guys are doing all kinds of research when they're doing a job trying to figure out the best way to maybe install an HVAC machine. And in there goes research and development trying to do that job. So they want to reward those activities, but uh, also engineering, agriculture, like farms, even breweries, wineries, um, financial service companies, um, software. If you have anyone writing the code, developing the code, modifying that code, uh, software is always very unique. And um, the, again, which makes it innovative. So that's another really big industry. And even the support companies that support those software uh, applications also tend to do things that qualify for these money. But it, it's a long list and probably the better way to look at the list is not who qualifies, but really look at who does it. And the markets that don't really qualify are retail and restaurant. They really aren't doing anything innovative or, or changing the product enough. But these other people, uh, the other one I'd want to mention here is the doctors and dentists. Every one of those, anything in the medical industry does very well. There are uh, about six, 700 programs. And I would say a third of them are based around the medical and dental. So that's another uh, big place where there's a lot of money. They all tend to do very well uh, in getting the funds. Um, I wanted to talk about some of the examples. Um, um, you know, just the, the very first one here, it's a dental office with 10 employees. Uh, you know, uh, these guys probably do, I think these guys were doing about $2.1 million a year in sales. Uh, their recovery after fee fees was $51,000. 
And uh, the 51,000, that is not a loan. It is purely money. It's no strings attached money. They want to keep those jobs here. They want to keep the industry and the technology in the U.S. And that money is meant uh, to do that. Um, and so uh, a steel manufacturing company, uh, coin stamping, uh, plastering contractor, uh, they're just like any other electrician, plumber, um, cement uh, pourer. There's Anyone in the service industry also tends to do really well getting this money. But you'll see an architectural firm, a uh, plumbing firm, an engineering firm. Uh, the other thing I will say, uh, the payroll that you would have, the uh, number of employees, that tends to drive up the funds. So if you're anybody who has a decent payroll, that tends to drive up and inflate the numbers that are available to you. So they tend to want to uh, reward you more if you're in a particular industry. And then also with the payroll, they tend to uh, you know, want to keep those jobs here and reward them. Um, and that is the end of my presentation. Um, my contact information is here. And uh, from here, I'll turn it back over to uh, Jay and you can take it from here. Thank you, David. Appreciate that. Um, there, there obviously was a lot of information in there and a lot of different case studies. Um, how, how does a business typically come into contact with your group and what is the, the process if they have questions about what they could potentially receive and, and what's, what are the fees? How does that work? The, um, the first part of the question, uh, we deal with CPAs. That seems to be our normal course of business. And we work with them to try to uh, get introduced to their clients. We also do it ourselves and just approach these industries that we mentioned. Um, the, the process, though, is this. Um, there is a pretty extensive questionnaire. It's about 43 questions. And it takes uh, 35 to 45 minutes to really go through those. And we're looking for uh, activities that apply to these programs. The yeses on that survey let us know which programs to investigate. Uh, once we uh, get their taxes, which we have the survey that I just mentioned, going through the answers to that. Uh, we also need tax returns, right? And, and we are going to evaluate both of those. Um, once we do that and have uh, some details about and understand the business, we take their taxes. It takes about 12 days to go through the process, investigate the company, uh, digest the answers, and apply those activities to the programs that we're familiar with. Uh, and from there, we will come back with a settlement, a dollar amount. The amount is not an estimate. It is a live actual number that that company would get. And a really typical one is $60,000 roughly. And we take uh, between 25 and 33% of that. A third to a quarter of that is used for uh, our fees and to keep us in business. So uh, if it's a $60,000 recovery, we're gonna take about 20 and the company is gonna receive $40,000 uh, in checks and funds, uh, some from the state and some from the feds. And it will take uh, three or four months to get that. Meaning once they've submitted their application and we've done the review, um, it takes months for that money to arrive. Um, states tend to be a little quicker, but the feds, they'll definitely take four or five months to, to issue that money. Um, but yeah, so that process, uh, you know, doing the questionnaire, collecting taxes, 
uh, submitting uh, that data to the various programs. Uh, we'll then give back a settlement amount. Um, and then once you have your settlement amount, there's a contract assigned to continue. Something else really important, um, if we go through this and uh, a company does not get a recovery, they're not paying taxes or they did not have some of the expenses that we were looking for, there are no fees, meaning there is no money at all to check or find out what is potentially available. And uh, the good news is the, the first time the customer looks at this, these programs, we're looking at three years worth of taxes. So there's usually a really big dollar amount that comes up front. And boy, uh, some of the companies suffering from last year's shutdown, this money couldn't come at a, a better time. Some of them are still recovering from that. So a lot of this money is coming at a great time for them uh, and you know, to, to keep their people in place. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, uh, it's been very well received this year. Thank you. And I, I like the thought of having a business go through the process just, just to go through the process and really understand what exists and having a third party do that, that due diligence for them. Um, and if there's nothing available, there's not a fee. So you obviously pay if, if there is a settlement. So that's, that's um, I think, a, a nice model. And I'm sure there are other um, business groups out there who do that. So I would encourage companies to work with your CPAs um, to identify that. And obviously David's here today too, but um, I, I just would like to open it up to questions. If anyone has anything specifically um, right now that they would like to add to the, the Q and A box while um, we're just waiting um, for a couple of questions to come in, just to, to let the panelists provide maybe one quick tip to businesses um, on what they could do right now to improve their position for the future, or even just a, a tip that you've given to some of your clients that have made a difference in how you work with um, their taxes to, to help you sort of get through the process in a, in a more streamlined approach. Um, why don't we start with Tiffany, please? I was worried about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think um, what I always go back to is as a business owner, you have a lot on your plate, but I think the most important thing is keeping your eyes open to the ever-changing circumstances to make sure that something isn't missed. Um, so I'm a huge proponent of discovery conversations to understand the lay of the land, to offer advice specific to where you're at. Um, so having conversations with your trusted CPAs making sure that you keep your eyes open for things that are happening within the community and locally. Um, it's very easy to get blinders on and just kind of try to continuously do the work that's in front of you, which as a business owner is important. Um, but just keep that, keep that gaze open, have conversations, learn, educate, um, look out outside of kind of your general realm to, to kind of pull in these things that are going to help you get through these moments. Thank you. And how about Nicole? I know you had said make sure to have quarterly meetings with your with your clients and CPA. I think that's yeah. a really good. Well, that was going to be my answer, and Tiffany <laughs> put it perfectly. I feel like you have to have a. Sorry, <laughs> you have to have a good CPA on your team who is really willing to 
you know, advocate for you and make you aware of certain deductions available, et cetera. So I feel like it's super important to have a relationship with a CPA who knows, knows your business. And so if, if um, a business feels like they might be able to get something, you know, more out of a CPA relationship, what do you, what do you suggest for interview questions for a CPA or, you know, some, some folks I know feel horrible leaving someone they've been with for, you know, five, 10 years, but is there, you know, a, a way to go through the interview process, getting referrals, what are your thoughts on that, Nicole? Sure. So we've um, we've attained a lot of new clients this year, and what we've been hearing from these new clients is they want to change CPAs because their current CPA or tax professional is not being responsive and is not communicating properly or timely, and they can't get a hold of them, and so. We've received a lot of referrals that way. And at Loma Company, we, we really feel strongly about communicating timely. It's really important and it's really important to the relationships. And so if a business owner is out there, you know, and they can't get a hold of their CPA, that can be extremely frustrating. And so I feel like that would be an excellent question to ask a potential CPA you know, how do you handle communications? How, you know, do you prefer email? Do you prefer phone calls, et cetera? I feel like that's very, very important. Great. Thank you. Um, David, do you have anything to add? To be able to get Um, a hold of your CPA. uh, So um, if somebody is going to investigate these programs, here's what I, my, my, uh, what I see as a problem or people failing when trying to do this. Um, they take the survey form and they look at, oh my God, it's 40 something pages and they, they throw it on their, one of their people's desk and they ask them to fill it out. And this person has no idea what we talked about originally. And they go through and say, no, 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 no. And they turn it back in. And then I have to come back and I say, look, I know what you do. Okay. I know your activities. I've had other companies just like you and you need to get the owner involved. They need to sit down. And they need to be involved and don't pass this off. Uh, and, and they need to really look at their business. And when you look at these questions, um, my suggestion to them is to, and the word I use is creative. You know, you need to apply and think of what you do and what you're doing. And when these guys prep and prepare and tinker with what they do and alter their offering, alter their services, they're definitely doing things that the feds want to reward. So uh, get, you know, really serious about it read the questions, really think about what you're doing as a business and make those apply or get creative on how those activities apply to the intent of these questions. And so, uh, so many people brush it off. And when they do, they are leaving or losing money. They are missing five grand or eight grand that they could have had had they done a little bit more thinking. So that would be my recommendation for people preparing for this is to just take it seriously and get involved. And, and really evaluate what you're doing and try to get those answers passed along to the end of the surveying questionnaire. Thank you. Great advice from all three of you. Um, there was one question in the Q&A, and I think this might be interesting just broadly. It doesn't have to necessarily be applied strictly to um, what Bruce is 
particular businesses, but he was wondering about the R&D program and he curates historical exhibitions and then rents them to museums. So, and he's producing documentary films. Um, so if he were to rent alternate, alternative space and then install the exhibitions himself, what, what would that look like? Does that sound like it would be something that could potentially qualify for the R&D um, tax credit in, in some way? And I know, I know you're not obligated right now to, to you know, have a legal opinion, but it, it sounds like pieces of it might, might qualify. But again, I'm not a tax professional. So Tiffany, I think maybe I'll throw it out to you to answer that one. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And from a general standpoint, I think the idea of applying the R&D tax credit to your business is, is not um, only a set of questions. What it is, and it is an exploratory process to understand the actual underlying activities. Um, so the thing that, that lights me up the most when I talk to businesses about what R&D actually means in the sphere of small business is what challenges are you facing and what technical skill are you using to kind of alleviate some of those questions? Um, so in this particular answer, uh, Bruce, it would be great to have a deeper conversation just on some of the underlying challenges you face to do that. Um, but typically what we're trying to figure out is from a business component standpoint, what is it that you are creating that's new or improved? Um, these lead to some incredible conversations. So a new or improved process or a product, um, some kind of formula, invention, software. And then the real meat of R&D is the technical questions you're asking and the route in which you either find an answer or realize that there's no answer and you can't do this thing. Um, so if you're cultivating um, a, an exhibition in general, is there underlying engineering involved? Is there something related to even these new, potentially these new buildings that you're gonna be moving into that require a different way of looking at the structural requirements or looking at the baseline um, engineering? And I think that the thing that is most important whenever you go down an R&D path is you need to make sure that you're qualifying the activities first, because in the event of an audit, in the event that from a federal or state government level, somebody comes in and asks the question, those are gonna be the primary things that they look at first. Are you doing qualified work? So all of the attached expenses, all of the wages, independent contractor costs, the supplies that go into it need to start from that point of truth. And from my perspective, that point of truth comes out of conversation. It comes out of understanding what it is that you're doing. So I would love to get a little bit more color around it. Um, I typically am not somebody who will throw something out immediately based off of industry, because even though industry can create indicators, the work people do in their businesses today to stay relevant is mind blowing. Uh, the things that you face in every single industry where it comes to staying relevant, staying competitive, staying alive, staying, uh, staying um, just within the business race itself. Um, there's a lot of things that can play into it. Thank you. Um, before we wrap up, Chelsea, I just wanted to turn it back over to you um, to talk a little bit about the Mesa Hub. And then I think we'll go ahead and, and get signed off here. Yeah, I also want to pass it over to Tyler. He had a question um, about two um, for while David was speaking regarding tax returns. 
David, I know you mentioned specifically you can use three years of tax returns or go back three years. Um, Tyler asked, can you use two years of tax returns? And Tyler, I'm going to allow you to talk as well. So if you want to frame that question or want to dive into it a little bit deeper, uh, feel free to do so. And then once we wrap up this answer, then I will tell you all about the hub and I'm going to drop that link into the chat so you have it as well. Cool. Yeah. So we're a small business, uh, relatively like we're two years old. And so you said three years, I was just wondering, do you have to have three years or can you be a younger business? No, two years is fine. And even if uh, one of the years was poor and the other one had a nice tax bill, that one year could equate to a nice recovery for you. So uh, we can go up to three. So we would look at both years, collect tax returns on both years and uh, use those. And that certainly could equate uh, uh, to a recovery. The key is, is in those two years, were you paying taxes? So if you paid $60,000 in taxes, uh, we very well might drop it down 15 or $20,000 for that year or both years. So that's really the issue is, is there a sizable tax bill in those tax years? And if there is, then yeah, you definitely have a, a good chance of getting a recovery. Cool. That's why we're here. We definitely pay a lot of taxes. So <laughs> yeah, that works. <laughs> okay. Well, that's what, that's what we need to hear then. Yes. If you if both of them have the tax bill, then yeah, both of them are eligible. Cool. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yes. Uh, Tyler, I just wanted to make one note. If you are here in Arizona, um, there's also the state level benefit. So from the perspective of going back on an Arizona return, you do have three years. So even though you're within that two-year window, just for future knowledge, um, that is also something that you're able to do. And then to uh, David's point, and also for Nicole's benefit as well, um, the R&D tax credit isn't just a retroactive claim. So a lot of the power comes in proactively planning around R&D credits to lower your taxes before you pay them. Um, so obviously it's great to go backwards and get refunds, but when you're setting up your tax strategy, this is also one of those things that can lower payments before you have to make them. So usually cash within your pocket is, is better from a cash flow perspective than having to wait to get it back as well. So there's both sides of those. Awesome. Thank you. Yep. We're in, we are in Arizona. So thank you. Cool. Chelsea. All right. Thank you, everybody. And great questions. Thank you so much for everyone who attended is attending with us today live um, and for posting posing those questions to to our panelists. And thank you all panelists for doing such great jobs. Um, as Jay mentioned, Cahoots is a partner with the city of Mesa with uh, the digital platform, the Mesa Hub. So on the Mesa Hub, you can find lots of resources um, specifically tailored to small businesses um, in the city of Mesa. So um, as Tiffany mentioned, there are over, I think, Jay, correct me if I'm wrong, I think we're up to 120 courses now in the learning library, which are all free to you. Like you're get on there, do some learning. You can do whenever you want. You could do it at 1 a.m. in the morning or 12 p.m. in the afternoon. Like hop on there and get some learning. Um, as Tiffany mentioned, she does have a webinar that deep goes into a deeper dive specifically about a lot of the different R&D tax credits that and, and um, deductions. I want to make sure I, I clarify because she talks about all of these things a little bit more in depth in that. So definitely go check that out. If you're not already um, a member on the platform, head over to mesa.myhub.com and you can get registered. It's free. All you do is fill out a form and then you get access. Um, there's also a whole page with grants listing. So the grant that Tiffany mentioned, the Maricopa um, small business grant. You can find information about that grant as well on the grants page in the platform. Um, so definitely take a look, check that out. Um, 
and all of the different partners that are active in the Mesa community, community partners, Local First, Prestamos, CDFI, um, the Mesa Chamber of Commerce, um, and the East Valley Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Jay, am I missing anyone? I feel like- You got it. You covered it. Good job. I got them all. Um, They're active in that platform, and they're great resources for you to connect with there with- um, them there as well. And then Jay, I'm going to do one just little quick plug too for the technical assistance program. Um, so if you are a small business in the city of Mesa, the city of Mesa puts on a small business technical assistance program, which basically means that you can get one-on-one support from some of those organizations that I mentioned and meet with advisors like Tiffany um, to discuss the needs of your business. So if you haven't already applied for that program, um, make sure to check it out. Um, if you go to, I'll have to pull up the link. I'll drop it in the chat before we leave. But, um, but Mesa Business you- Builder. Mesa Business Builder, yep. Um, if you head over to that website, um, and I'll get the direct link, just pulled it up right now, um, to the Small Business Technical Assistance Program, apply there. It's free to apply, why not? And you could get some great one-on-one assistance for your business. So um, please do check out all of those great links. 